0: we're good. Okay, so I want to begin right with our text. I want to read it again. Um, We're going to get really well acquainted with this text, which is really, really good. So I'd like for us to start there. So Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ. Wait, I have to read it from here, not on my page. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ. To those who, through the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ, have received a faith as precious as ours. Grace and peace to yours in abundance, through the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. His divine power has given us everything. Everybody say everything. 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 Now say it, everything.. everything. everything. Good. Okay, so his divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, They will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But if anyone does not have them, he is nearsighted and blind, and has forgotten that he has been cleansed from his past sins. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, be all the more eager to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never fall. And you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Man, that is juicy stuff, eh? That is juicy. That is good stuff. So I'd like to just start review. Let's go back. Let's see what we talked about last week. So last week was brought to us by the letter P that's right it was brought to us by letter p and we talked about how peter who has a letter who has a name that starts with p and uh he talked about the precious faith that has been given to us that equalizes us and it's for everyone that it is a precious treasure i love the idea of how it was to be protected that it's it guard that it's precious faith We talked about how we are given grace and peace. That there is an abundance of what God has given to us. And he desires to give to us. There is an absolute abundance. I love that. There is power. That by his divine power he has given us everything that we need for life and godliness. Everything that we need. It's amazing. And then he gives us promises. And and last week, um, Gavin mentioned a few, just a few promises that are found in Scripture. There are tons. Scripture is riddled with God's promises. We talked about how if we confess our sins, then we are purified from our unrighteousness. That when we declare that Jesus is Lord, we are saved. Those are promises. We get to live in our salvation. Our salvation is a promise. How amazing. And so we had all of these P's and we landed sort of with, we landed with participation. In anticipation, sort of, of this evening. So tonight, that's where we're picking up. We're picking up in verse 4, where we're going to be looking at the invitation and the challenge to participate in the divine nature, as Peter writes it. So I'd like to just do a little bit of like clumping a little bit to get us get us some context on on our particular section for tonight. We're going to look at verses three to eight. So verses three and four said that his divine power has given us everything we need for life and goodness godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness, through these things he has given us uh, his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in divine nature and escape the corruption of the world and and evil desires. For this reason, verse 5 says. So that section right there, that verse 3 and 4, it's sort of like Peter is setting up the stage of what's to come. He's going to make a point, and so he's setting up the stage. And so what he's doing is he's getting he's gearing us up and he, what he's saying is, "Before I get to all the virtues that I'm going to talk about, we need to remember this one thing, that it is in God who provides everything." That's where we start. I feel like I just want to say that all night long. It is in God that we have everything. It is in God who gives us everything. So when we say nothing but the blood of Jesus, it means he's given us everything, right? We, we have everything that we need. I'm going to say it again because I think we need to hear it. He gives us everything. There is absolutely no lack in God. There's no lack in him. None. We need to we need to hold that, that everything is is a gift from him, is from, is through him, everything, before we can even get to what he wants to hit up on verses five and following. We have to keep that in the forefront. Everything comes from God. Then he goes into verse five, where he says, make every effort, or no, so he says, for this reason, make every effort to add to your faith. So, he's, like, getting to the point here that Christians need to then live godly lives. If God has given us everything for life and godliness, we then need to live godly lives. Right? Like, A plus B equals C here. It's sort of a, like an almost like a non-point. But he's, prov- he's saying, okay, if this is what God has given us, if he's giving us everything, then we have to do something with it. It's the invitation of participation. So we're supposed to live godly lives. And he says, for this reason. So why are we participating? Like, why do we need to then live godly lives? It's for this reason. It's for the reason that we have everything. We've been given everything. Therefore, we live godly lives. It's a response. So we live godly lives because it's a response, because God has given us grace and power. It's in response to God's precious faith that he's given to us. It's in response to the promises that we can land on in Scripture. It's because he gives us protection from corruption of, the, of evil desires. It's because of all the things that Peter just said beforehand, everything that Gavin preached about last week, because of those peas, then we respond it's for this reason. It's a response An invitation. We are invited and we are called to respond to participate in the divine nature. It's our response. And so we're called to, for this reason, make every effort. So Peter uses this language, make every effort, and what he's saying here is as effort, really it's talking about zeal, earnestness. It means, like, full effort by making haste. Like, it is, it is in absolute pursuit. And Peter uses this language multiple times in his letter. In verse, or, sorry, so here in verse 5 he uses it. Again, in verse 10 of the same chapter, he says, Be all the more eager same language. In verse 15, he says that he himself will make every effort. And then in chapter 3, verse 14, he says that we are to make every effort to be found blameless. So he's, he really likes this language of making every effort. Work it, is what he's saying. And it's sort of unusual language, actually, because um, this language doesn't really get used anywhere else. He's, he's making this um, very definite language that he's calling us to, to do something. He's calling us to respond. Um, and he's saying that spiritual growth is not a matter that we can treat lightly. It's not a matter that we, that we need to... It, it is a matter that we need to be attentive. We have to attend to our spiritual growth. This poor plant here needs some attention. It is sad. It is so sad. I'm not telling you where that it's from, where it comes from. It could be from the office that's right beside mine. Not Josh's, but right beside mine. But... (laughs) But this poor plant, for it to grow, it needs attention. It needs effort to grow. We'll water it. We'll see if it comes back. It needs effort. That poor plant. In response to God giving us everything for life, everything for godliness, our goal is to, with great, great earnestness and zeal, to participate body and soul Every single day of our lives into our spiritual growth and development. That's our goal. And we do that, Peter says, by adding to. Add to. So the verb add to is a far more colorful word, commentators say, than it actually is in like for us to read. Add to. Okay. Like put a dash of this, or like I think of like cooking, like just add to. It's not. It's not nearly as flat as that. It's quite a colorful word. It's got far more dynamic. And in 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 secular language or non theological language, what it might be meant as to like provide by your own like your your own expense, like to to bring what you you have. But this word in the Greek, that's not actually what it's saying. The word here means to aid or contribute, to minister or to nourish. That's a much more different understanding than, isn't it? If it's to nourish, well, that means something else than just to add to, just to throw a dash in here or there. What Peter is saying here is that everything that that has been given to us, this precious faith, That's been gifted to you and to me. It is to be nurtured. It is to be cultivated. That's different than just adding two. We cultivate, we nurture the gift, the precious, precious gift of faith that God has given to us. By nurturing goodness, knowledge, self-control. By perseverance and godliness. By nurturing brotherly kindness and love. By participating as a partner with God in nurturing everything that God has given us. That's the invitation. That's the calling. Be a partner. Participate. Get earnest and nurture everything that I've given you. So... I have these plants up here. This here, <laughs> come on. This here is a money plant. It does nothing for me it, other than look really good. So this plant, I I find it amazing what God is was saying to people this evening because I wanted to tell you a story about my very first money plant that I ever bought. I went to Ikea. I thought it's super cute. It would look great in my apartment. So um, I bought a money plant and it looked so good. I tried to find the one that was like, like the most, you know, that with like some more buds so that it would like have some really good foliage. Yeah, great, cooking with gas here. Okay, so I bought this money plant. And it sat on my table, and it looked so cute. And, um, and every day, like, not even, like, first, like, the little leaf would fall off. And then more and more leaves from that one stem would fall off. And they started to discolor, and then the entire stem would fall off. To which point, there was no stems and no leaves on my money plant. There was nothing and at first I thought, I should just, like, chuck this thing. It's a waste of money, this IKEA money plant. But the Lord showed me something, because I waited, and I still watered it, I nurtured it, and little buds began. And I got super excited, and then it started to grow and more and more stems started to come out of it. It had nothing. All it had was this like fun little braid trunk, and then it started to grow, and it had these beautiful stems, and then these beautiful leaves that got bigger and bigger than what I had originally bought. And I was sitting there one morning, and the Lord just showed me this tree, and reminded me that there are things that I needed to get away out of my life. And that felt awful. And I didn't like the way that my tree looked, and I don't always like the way that my life looks when things are falling off. But for the things to, for the new growth to come, things have to fall off. And so the word that was spoken this evening in prayer and even just that picture of the banana, like obviously God is wanting to say something here to somebody because it's written on my paper and I didn't do that prior, or I did that prior to hearing this, right? Like God is saying something. So for those of you who needed to hear that, please open your ears and hear because God wants to tell you that things have to come off. So that new growth can happen. Do with that what you want. But we use trees, right, often, or pictures or nature as images of our spiritual growth, right? Has anybody ever had a tree or like plant experience like I have, where it's like the Lord spoke through a tree or plant or flower, or, right? Like, yeah. And we often think about, when we think about spiritual growth, we often think about trees or, right, like we think about the fruit of the spirit, so that comes off a tree or a vine. If you buy it in me, fruit will abide, right? Like we think about trees or like some sort of like, some sort of plant-esque thing when we think about growth, right? And we have this imagery of a plant that represents our spiritual growth and when we think about the concept of these virtues that Peter lists, and can we go to the next one? And even the next one, we see that, okay, these virtues that Peter is listing, he's not the only one that lists these virtues. It's actually like, it happens quite a lot in, in the New Testament. These are only four. There are more. But there's all kinds of virtues that get listed. And so often what happens is we think that we have to add these virtues, right, that Peter lists or that Paul mentions or James mentions. And we have to add these things, these virtues, into the everything that God has given us. And if we think about it as a tree, we think about God has given me everything. But then I have to add to. And it's sort of like if we're thinking through, like, how do we add? Like, maybe grafting in. Like, I have to add or, like, nurture faith. So I have to, like, to that, then I have to add goodness. So I'm going to graft in goodness somewhere. And we can think about, like, adding to as external. And and those are good things. But I'm going to challenge that concept Of adding to as an external concept. But I'm going to leave you hanging on that for a second because I want to take a look at these virtues really quick. So Peter presents these, these virtues. And what's interesting is for those of us who are maybe like, type A people, we might think, okay, I got to get my face down, and then I can move on to goodness. And then I got goodness down, and then I can move on to knowledge. Once I got knowledge down, then self-control, right? Like we think, then I can, once I get this nailed down, then I can get to the next one, right? Like don't we think that way? Some of you do. Some of you don't. Some of you do. You're laughing, so I think you do if, you, if you're laughing at that. What's that? What's that? No. <laughs> ah, normally. <laughs> okay, anyways. So um, uh, so Peter isn't saying here, do this and then do this. And then once that's done, do this. And then once that's done, go here. And then once that's done, add in some go- go- godliness. And then after that, add in some brotherly kindness. Then love, right? Like he's not, like, it's not that. It's actually the way that he's saying it, commentators talk about how it's actually kind of a little bit haphazard Um, and like, and so perhaps it's not just a list that you have to keep checking off, but perhaps what Peter is presenting is something a little bit more organic, a little bit more natural, that these things need to be cultivated and nurtured, as opposed to things that are like calculated and checked off. And so we have these things, these, these virtues and so let's just quickly, like I don't want to spend a lot of time, but let's just quickly take a look at these virtues and why are these things important. And so when he's talking about faith, Peter, as he's mentioning this, it really is, well, well it's well, it suggested that it's a little bit um, haphazard. Maybe that's not the best word, but um, it, he, he does start with the foundation of faith, Right? He, found, he starts off with the foundation of Christian virtue. And we know that James talks about how faith without works is dead. And how faith here, what we're talking about is not just, not just or general faith, but ma- or rather it's a faithfulness or a commitment to God that leads to fruitfulness. So cultivate a commitment to God that leads to something. And then we get to goodness. And this concept goodness is actually brought up prior to in verse 3 when when he's talking about who God is and his moral excellence. And what's being drawn out here is the Christ that lives within you, his goodness, cultivate that, it's in you. He's alive in you. Cultivate his goodness, and then knowledge, referring more to about like discernment of God's will, as opposed to like facts and addresses in scripture. Then it gets into self control and. Greek philosophers would say that this is a sense of like with one's own like sense of self one's own free will choosing to be uh, steadfast and not not um, waving depending on what people like pressures from people or competing philosophies that kind of thing that's what like Greek philosophy we kind of say what this here when when self control is mentioned in the New testament it's less um it's, it's less that, and it's a lot more hinging on the Holy Spirit. And it's fully connected to the fruit of the Spirit, and that it isn't the Holy Spirit who is working within us, giving us power and guidance, so that we can have self-control. It's not, it's not just our own. It's definitely the relationship with us and the Holy Spirit. Then it gets into perseverance. And I want to just park here just a little bit. So perseverance is the concept of like bearing up under, right? Like it is the steadfastness. And, um, and the New Testament writers speak frequently about perseverance. There's a lot in scripture about perseverance that should give us a heads up that we will have to persevere, right? Like heads up, if you haven't had to yet, you will. And just because we have to persevere doesn't mean that we're not where God wants us to be. Right? Like, we nurture perseverance. So obviously, if we have to nurture that, then that's what God wants us to exude. And God will work through those situations, right? And so Christian life, there is this idea of cultivating endurance with perseverance, the sense of endurance, Where we stand firm on on who Jesus is. Then we get into godliness. Godliness was noted in verse three, again, that we have been given everything so that we can live godly lives. We have everything for that. I don't feel that all the time. And perhaps, even if I don't feel it, I still need to nurture it. I still need to add to. And this this, scent, this virtue of, of godliness is a, is a sense of, like, respecting God and his people. Like, it's not just, like, looking the part. It's not just, like, looking godly. It is respect of God and his people. So then the, the text sort of shifts a little bit into another virtue that's much more horizontal in nature. It's much more relational in nature, and it moves to brotherly kindness. However, the language here, what's better to... It would have been better if it was familial love. That's what's really getting down here with brotherly kindness is familial love or familial affection. And this actually really pushed up against the grain At the time, because family kindness or family love and affection was, that's normal, right? That's normal when you love your family. However, when you love strangers like you love your family, that's weird at that time. But that was the call. That was the challenge to love people who are strangers like they're your family because they are. Because we have the same father, we are family you're stuck with me right like you are like you you have you have to love me now (laughs) but we are family and we have to build that family love nurture that family love and that family kindness Interesting, so there was this little bit, this little um, tidbit that I was, as I was reading, I thought it was really interesting. So there's, one of the, these ancient Christian writers talks about how, in response to the, like, the, the, the people who were not Christians, and their, their concept of how they did not like this concept of brotherly kindness. So this is what he writes, this, this ancient writer. He says, thus we love one another to your regret. I love that. With mutual love, because we don't know how to hate. Thus we call one another to your envy, brethren, as being men born of one God and parent, and companions in faith, as fellow heirs in hope. We are called to cultivate and nourish that. That's beautiful. To to be so kind to another person that it goes beyond the relational expectations that's beautiful it's that right there is a logistical like consequence of partaking in the divine nature of god that's the divine nature of god right there so then that leads us to love so this is our final item. It's sort of like the crown of virtue, love. And so in this one, we obviously we think about 1 Corinthians 13, right? And so that text, it doesn't talk about how we feel, right? This is not the feels. It, it is not. And we know that, right? Like We're not, we're not encouraged to feel warmly about each other, we're not encouraged to like. <laughs> we're encouraged to love. Like you, you might not feel warmly towards me. You still gotta love me. <laughs> but it's not the feels, right? First Corinthians talks about what love does and what love looks like, not how it feels. And so we're challenged to um, to cultivate and nourish the love. That is passed down from our Father. God loved Jesus so much. It says that this is my, this is my son who, I'm, who I love and and well, well pleased. He loved Jesus. God and Jesus loved humanity. God loved humanity. And then Jesus teaches humanity how to love. It is passed down. We have received this love. We've received it but then we've also been shown how to do it. And we, when, we, when we nurture that love, we are living in the divine nature. So Peter challenges us to make every effort, be zealous, in haste, like be, be zealous, make every effort to add to the faith that has been given to you, that has been given to me, As a response to the precious promises, the power, the peace, that we would really have, that we would fully experience the everything that he has given us. But why do we actually need to put in the effort? Like, doesn't it seem odd to you? We have everything. We have everything. So when I think that you have everything, you actually don't need to do anything. Call me crazy, or lazy, but am I the only one? No, okay, good, I got one mother, okay. That sounded like I have one mother, which I do, but I have one other. (laughs) (laughs) So, why? Why make the effort? Why? Why put in all, why be zealous? Why do we, why do we need to do it? (laughs) Right? Like, why do we need, why is it that if we have everything, we have to do something? So my thought is this. It comes into verse 8. Verse 8 says... For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure then they will keep you from being ineffective and productive, or ineffective and unproductive. So we do these things to be productive, right? We add to, to be productive, however, I believe that that takes us back, way back, the idea of being productive takes us way back to the very beginning. Because to be productive through increased measure of the virtues that we just talked about, that we should add to our faith, which has been gifted to us, everything that we have, if we're going to be productive, then in that being productive, we are sharing in the divine nature of God. That there is massive It's massive. It doesn't sound it, but it's massive. This is huge. And let me explain. Well, actually, picture with me. If you want to close your eyes, you can close your eyes. Picture this. Picture God, creator, spinning the universe into order. Darkness and light has been divided and it's been named day and night. Water and sky has been separated and the beginning has been established of the earth. Earth is taking shape. Land and sea have been defined and vegetation in both water and the earth begins to to form. The moon and the sun, they take their place in the universe. And they govern the day and they govern the night. Fish and birds, they start to float through their particular spaces, making home in water, making home in sky. Animals start to roam on the ground to establish their place on earth. And as human is being formed, God is working in his triune nature, saying, let us make man in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish and in, that are in the sea, and they'll reign over the birds in the sky, and the livestock, and all the wild animals on the earth, and even the small little animals that scurry on the ground. And as Adam and Eve took their place in the garden, and in perfect relationship with God, and in perfect relationship with each other, God blesses them. He blesses them, and he says... Be fruitful and multiply. He says, fill the earth and govern it. We still have time. We still have time. But that's okay. (laughs) He says, fill the earth. Govern it. As God shares his plan with man and God, God says, look at the nature that I've given you. Look at it. I have given you every single seed-bearing plant, every seed-bearing plant throughout the earth and all the fruit trees for your food. And I have given you every green plant as food for all the wild animals, the birds in the sky and the small animals that scurry along the ground. Everything that has life now, I want you to work it, nurture it, cultivate my garden all was complete everything was created god had finished his work he rested and it was holy this beautiful picture of the garden can you can you see it can you see the connection like this is blaring to me the connection between the garden and our lives Right? So in Genesis, it shows us that God created everything to sustain humanity's need. Everything to sustain humanity, God created water, food, companionship, everything that they had. This is the perfect, the most perfect ever. God created everything. Peter tells us that his divine power has given us everything we need to live and to, for godliness. lacked nothing what we have been given is everything we can lack nothing we should lack nothing but then in Genesis we also show that the divine God has formed humanity in his image to be like him to share in his divine likeness he created them to be like him in his likeness Peter says That God, through his glory and goodness, has given us the very great and precious promise so that we may be and participate in the divine nature. That's ours. God has given us his likeness to share in his divine nature. How amazing. And then the concept of adding to, right? Genesis shows us that God designed for humanity to be partners, to be co-laborers in the garden, to cultivate what is there, to cultivate the everything. And so he says to us, add to, nurture the everything. See, this picture of our spiritual life is wrong. It's wrong. It's faulty because we think about adding outside pieces. However, anybody here know what propagate means when it comes to plants? Yeah, propagate means you take something that was from a plant and you put it into water and make it grow again. This right here, I have added to my garden. This was my plant from this plant here. And I took a snip and I put it in water and I kept putting water in here and it kept growing and the roots kept growing and then there were more, more leaves began to grow and I now have two plants. I nurtured what was there. So my adding outs was not outside sources. It was nurturing what I already had, right? So when when God says, add to, we're not using our own devices to find outside sources to bring some sort of virtue into our lives from what the world has to say about virtue. What he's saying is, I've given you a garden. You're not a tree, you're a garden. Cultivate your learning garden. <laughs> but cultivate your spiritual garden. Add to, you have Everything, nurture it it's not a matter of us trying to muster up something it's a matter of taking the everything that God has given us and then propagating it cultivate it add add to the beauty that is creation add to the beauty that is who God has created you to be right we are to be co-laborers god has invited us to participate and we do that we we do that again we don't do it through outside sources and just by our own devices we do it in partnership with the holy spirit we we must remember that right that's where we started we must always stay there but it's through the holy spirit what a beautiful picture hey i love this picture of the garden Feel like it, I feel like God is sort of inviting us. Like God wants to say, I want to take you so much further. See you grow. Come back to the garden. Don't be a standalone tree. Come back to the garden. That was my original plan. God's original plan is for us. work together and the work let's remember is not like laborious work right sure I'm sure Adam worked hard but it wasn't until after sin that he felt the pain of working hard there is a blessing that is found in working and so there is blessing that's found here to add to you to respond. Whatever the Holy Spirit is saying to you to respond. But I I do want to just challenge. If there's anyone that's ever felt resentment to God, and I don't know why that's so, that that word is so, that's a pretty harsh word, it's on my heart, but a resenting God to have to work so hard. of working so hard at your mind and find the picture of the blessing of being in the garden with him to co-labor with him to add to the everything that already exists in your life so this is what i would ask for us to do i'm going to ask you to stand and if there's something that the holy spirit is saying to you that he's touching. a Point in your heart or in your spirit, I can't see you guys. If there's something that the Holy Spirit is pointing on, and you just need to like do something with that, particularly, like if that resentment piece, if that meant something to you, I'm gonna I'm gonna call you to respond. And this is a great place to respond. So if there's something that Holy Spirit is doing in your life right now, come on, respond. I will say this. I believe in the power of coming and responding to the Holy Spirit. And there are days where you're going to feel like you need to be here. And that's awesome. I encourage you. There are days where you may not feel it. And that's fine. But Gavin and I feel as though it's our pastoral role to make sure that the space is open. So we're going to make the space open. We're going to open it every time almost because we believe in the power and we believe that the the work that the Holy Spirit does here doesn't mean that he works only here. No way. But there's something special about responding to the work of the Lord in your heart and doing something with it in the immediate. So for those of you who feel like you're good, that's great. Why don't you sing with us? For those of you who feel like you need to respond to what God has been doing in your life, even today, even maybe something I said doing something would you respond and let's just take some time to actually respond to the divine one who has brought us in relationship so that we can partner with him in divine in his divine nature so i'm going to open it up you're welcome to respond